0: I started because the Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Care Center originated in my church back in 2000 when there was a baby found in the landfill. And my previous pastor's wife was like, something needs to be done. I believe in adoption, and I would love to see the, the numbers turned around from abortion numbers to be adoption numbers um, for the world to not use abortion as a form of birth control. Mm-hmm. When you look at it as a war, mm-hmm. a genocide. Wow. I mean that's that's how one of our speakers presented it and showed the statistics of all these other wars and how many people have died in them compared to abortion that's going on still you know as an acceptable form of birth control. Um. I would just ask pastors too to to be careful mm-hmm. how they
1: talk about abortion mm-hmm. in the pulpit because you do have women and yeah. and men sitting there who are struggling from that.
2: Hey everybody, want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit Podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard, and man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do here in these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry, and I should probably mention occasionally that uh, this ministry is about helping people in ministry who are going through challenges, who are struggling, who are making decisions— uh, sometimes I'm involved in helping in, with reconciliation with teams, uh, working with an elder board to kind of process what is happening within their church. And it's good for me occasionally just to mention that so that if you are aware of, uh, of any situation or, or church or uh, team situation, whether it's international or here in the States or wherever you might be, uh, hey, we're here to serve, and maybe you could refer this ministry and speak positively of what uh, you know of us. Maybe only through these podcasts, but anyway, wanted to mention that. Okay, set up for today. Um, I have always been moved by the story of William Wilberforce. If you know him, you know that he was a, a parliament figure, member of parliament in England in the 1800s as a politician and a Christian. He was, this guy was, I mean, he was obsessed uh, with one thing his entire life, and that was to see uh, the abolishment of slavery in the British Empire. And amazingly, just three days after hearing that uh, the act had been passed, uh, William Wilberforce died. So he died knowing that his one singular singular longing and prayer had been answered. Uh, he was a, a, a man who longed to see one thing before he died, and that was the end of slavery. Uh, well, I, I have a similar prayer, and it's about abortion. I have a similar longing, and it has to do with abortion. In fact, nearly every day I pray that in my lifetime I would see the end of this, uh, this uh, terrible reality and, and tragedy that uh, is so prevalent in, in our society— And uh, what encourages me is I know that there are so many fighting for this, and especially those who fight on the ground by offering young women and men an alternative, but also offering them ultimately the love of Jesus, uh, who is about life. I have come to give you life and give you to the full, he tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10. Well, recently I had a chance to sit down with two women uh, who are fighting not just against abortion, but really they're fighting for life. And uh, their names are Jenny Golding and Becky Langston, and both of them work at the Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Center in Cullowee, North Carolina, right on the edge, strategically, of Western Carolina University. And what a privilege it was for me to sit down and talk to them about what they're doing in, uh, in the fight for life, to hear their passion, to hear how this passion comes out of a, a love for Jesus, but also a love for life. And this interview will be both challenging and I know very encouraging to you. So let's go ahead and jump into it right now. All right, I have the privilege to be in the North Carolina, near Western Carolina University. And I have Jenny Golding and Becca, Becky Langston. Uh, sorry for calling you Becca. Is that a nickname at all?
1: It can be today. Okay,
2: <laughs> okay just for today it is. And uh, we are at the, the Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Center down here in uh, Cullowee, uh, which is, again, uh, strategically near the Western Carolina University. And uh, just tell us briefly, how did both of you end here, end up here and what's your, what's your role? Jenny, why don't you start?
0: I started because the Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Care Center originated in my church back in 2000 when there was a baby found in the landfill and my previous pastor's wife was like something needs to be done. And so
2: I did not know that that was the origin of this, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're uh, you were at the the church where I pastored as well, so we we Correct. know each other quite I've well been there and, since... and saw you kind of Move more in this direction to eventually we had an official position here.
0: Right. I was when it originated. I was a single mom going back to college after 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story of a lot of these girls could have been mine. I was 19 years old when I graduated high school, and my father-in-law to be was the one telling me to abort my son, who's now 34, mm. and juvenile court counselor in Mecklenburg.
2: I, I did so, not know that so much of this was personal for yeah, you. Uh, that's... The Lord
0: gives you a history yeah. and he puts it to use later in life
2: yeah that's so. amazing wow and um, that, and it shows how redeeming these things can be and we'll be talking about that, even people for you know who have had abortions how God can can still use them even more so in in a lot of ways to very help others so the baby that was found what what happened to that uh, little baby
0: it, it was found dead oh, it was my in goodness. the landfill oh wow um, yeah there, the, you know and that was the thing that we didn't feel we had a place for these girls to go anywhere close by. So, so it's almost it's, like
2: we don't ever want this to happen again. Correct.
0: We want them to feel that they have a safe place to come to. And so that was our tagline, was a caring place to turn mm-hmm. at the beginning. And um, our tagline that we have developed now is a healing, hope and healing begin, where hope and healing begin.
2: Okay. And you're the director of the Smoky Mountain I Pregnancy.
0: I I started off volunteering in 07 after I graduated college and got a job. and. Um, became the director in January of 2011. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so. I, I remember that conversation. I think we talked a little bit. I was like, Ah, do I
0: do this? We and did. I, I was said, like, You are
2: the best person for this. I I was I really feeling like you. Jonah, and <laughs> I,
0: I I had heard about the application three times before I finally <laughs> applied. And,
2: yeah. That is great. It's <laughs> like no, so there's, worse than there's <laughs> two centers. Uh, we we are near uh, Becky. Why don't you? Uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and tell your story, and then we'll talk about why this uh, facility is actually here in this location.
1: I came on uh, March 2018, and I just seen a uh, advertisement for the position in our local City Baptist Associational email came out, and I didn't get hired right away, but then Jenny called me several months later, and here I am.
2: And you are a pastor's wife, and, and, when, you said, and you, when you said, "and when you said Tucka CG," that's the name of the church.
1: That is the name of the Baptist Association for this area. Oh, I
2: see. Okay, yeah. And there's a Tucka CG River that runs right through here yeah. in, in Dillsborough or close by here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Try to spell that one right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, Becky, the there are two centers, and tell, tell us why this one here in particular is really significant.
1: Well, we have the potential to reach a lot of students here. There's two colleges um, just in about three miles of each other. So we have Western Carolina University right beside us, mm-hmm. but also down the road we have Southwestern Community College. Um, we have a total of four high schools in this county. Um, when you think about the early college, Smoky Mountain High School, and then the Hub, and then Blue Ridge is a through K-12 school. Mm-hmm. So we just, Jackson County is just a little unique um, with all the students that we have I the imagine, potential to yeah, reach. I yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And the strategy is probably a little different between the two centers. And we probably in some of the stories we'll hear, we can maybe hear out, you know, how, how distinct they are. Uh, let me let me uh, remind uh, us here, and this will help us to keep the con- or keep in mind who the audience here. I, I always tell people the audience are pastors, uh, ministry leaders, and people who love the church. So hopefully that covers most everybody. And the reason why I think this particular conversation on abortion or, or saving lives and what the church is doing to rescue families. In this way, fits the ministry of this podcast of of uh, offering uh, courage and perspective when serving gets hard. Because uh, we want we want pastors and ministry leaders to keep this on the front end of their their minds and their their ministry, and not to be afraid about this. This is a topic that, uh, for some strange reason, we're finding we have to be really careful and tiptoe around. I don't I don't want that. I don't like that. And so, probably one of the things we want to talk about is how do we. You know, maintain our boldness and speak out against things that are becoming so you know, normalized and prevalent in society. And fortunately, there's a lot of good things happening in our society that uh, is, is moving in a good direction here. Uh, I remember in, uh, when I was a youth pastor 30 years ago, helping a guy hand out literature to people in the streets about, I didn't do a lot of that, but it was like, you know, just, you realize how unbelievably uh, real this is. Um, Jenny, what, what, what is your greatest burden in...
0: Well, I, I just really... I believe in adoption, and I would love to see the, the numbers turned around from abortion numbers to be adoption numbers um, for the world to not use abortion as a form of birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our generation today, they all feel that it's okay. It's been legalized, mm-hmm. so it's their norm. But... Um, through the window of the womb, the ultrasounds, we are seeing that it's not a blob of tissue. And so for that person to make that decision based on knowing all of the facts, and that's what we try to do here, is just to educate these girls and men who are facing unexpected pregnancies to know how far along they are, to see that child on the screen, and for them to know about the different options that are out there for them. Mm-hmm. And then for them to make an educated, um, you know, empowering them through education and then hopefully encouraging them to choose life. Because with with the,
2: the number, I mean, high number, 50 million plus abortions since it was legalized. Uh, I mean, is that why people are adopting more overseas? Becky, you adopted a, a Honduran child?
1: Well, his father's Honduran. Okay. He's, he's American. Okay. Um, he came into our lives very easily. hmm Um, the actual adoption process is very difficult. It's very expensive. We did not have to tackle that. hmm Um, we pastored his church. And okay, okay. Was, so there was a connection. There was a there connection, already. and it was yeah. we kept him from going into okay. foster care.
2: So, so would there be? And this is a stupid question, but I'll ask it anyway. There would be much more adoption available if well, the, abortion was not happening. Obviously.
1: Well, the fact that you can can go get an abortion for mm-hmm. five hundred dollars versus. Um, an adoption starts around $17,000 is, is a huge uh, broken system. Mm-hmm. You know, our tax dollars will help pay for abortion, but why are we not paying for adoption Yeah, <laughs> is my big question, mm-hmm. but that makes no sense
2: to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really fascinating. And one of the things that uh, strikes me is that... Um, uh, again, one of the, and, and you do that here, you talk about the options that you have, you know, as opposed to abortion and, and adoption is no doubt one of them. But one of the things we, you know, I mentioned this uh, to both of you before we recorded the number of pastors who do end up adopting and the church is modeling this. I, I know I, I, it's almost like every other pastor I know has adopted a child. And, um, one time someone, uh, that I'm, uh, sort of, sort of related to mentioned that. Uh, you know if the if the if the church would just do more then we wouldn't have to abort and i'm like you don't understand how much the church is doing <laughs> you know so it is it is overwhelming to uh, uh to just realize you know the number but there are still so many people that are ready and available to to adopt when it comes down to that uh what burdens you becky
1: i think the youth um seeing them understand why they need to trust and believe the bible and apply it to their lives um i think as christians we read the bible as this um disciplined thing Mm -hmm. but then turning around and applying that to our lives is what gets real difficult for our youth
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: they they are so bombarded um with with the world and and with the fun things of the flesh that they are so tempted with and I think if I could say anything to pastors especially um some older pastors and I can say this because my father's an older pastor is things have changed so much with this generation z that they're they're Mm -hmm. saying you know it it used to be good enough to say that we could um educate and talk about sex to our kids in the privacy of our home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and that's just not the case anymore with, um, you know, with smartphones and, and the way that pornography has taken over mm-hmm. our youth. Um, I just would like to remind pastors that, you know, in Titus chapter two, the women are given that job
2: mm-hmm. to
1: tr- to teach what is true to the young women and likewise to the young men. Um, so to encourage the older women in their churches Help give them resources and educate them how to to get out there and and hit our youth as hard as the world's hitting mm-hmm. them.
2: Wow, wow! With the counter message, the yes. message of the gospel, which uh, which does you know involve uh, you know peace of mind, which comes out of purity, comes out of holiness. Um, Jenny, what are what are some of the um, harder stories that you could share?
0: A few years ago, we had baby Eli at our banquet. Mm-hmm. Um, this call came to me through a f- state probation officer calling me in the evening one night saying she had been burdened to stop by this girl's house. It wasn't her normal check mm-hmm. time, but she called and, and stopped in and found her bawling that the doctors told her she needed to abort the child she was carrying. hmm um, we partnered with Mountain Area Pregnancy Services out of Asheville. They have a program called Eva's Footprints for clients who are given a demise situation with the pregnancy and encouraging and walking through this with them, the parents. I mean, they will literally stay with a, a parent for up to two years um, and walk through the pregnancy with them, and, you know, if they go ahead and have this child like we did with Eli. This this mother went against the medical professionals' advice to abort. And this child was said that it was going to have all of these things wrong with it. It would never live outside the womb. And Eli came into the world at Mission Hospital with only missing the eyeball. The eye socket is there where a prosthesis can be put in later. Mm-hmm. And he was a healthy little little boy that mm. that was able to be brought into the world against all odds. Yeah. Um, you know, the ultrasound is such a phenomenal tool that God has allowed mm-hmm. to happen to counteract what He's seeing this world do through yeah. abortion. And we have seen twins fighting in the womb. Wow. Um, I mean, kicking, slapping, punching. They ended up he saw being Jacob, two little huh? girls, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we had them at our at our banquet um, a few years back too. So, you know, I got I got a picture on my cell phone of my grandson in the womb, sucking his thumb, doing mm. the "I love you" symbol. Oh
2: my goodness!
0: And this was the symbol of sign language that my daughter and I had used since she was itty bitty. Yeah. And at his twenty week ultrasound pictures with the physician's office it wasn't even at our clinic mm-hmm. here he was doing i love you that is in awesome the womb. we
2: should put that on the facebook i mean on my website yes. i'll do that yes, i'll yes. get that from you yeah we i shared with you uh, before we started recording that um you know this this became you know in in some way i've always been burdened about this deeply burdened about this in fact my my prayer is and it's almost a daily prayer that I would see the end of abortion in my lifetime. And, uh, and I love what you said, Becky, that it's not, it's not just about that. It's about the whole, you know, sexual revolution and how we speak to kids about, about purity. And, and so, you know, the goal here is not just to see abortion stop. Uh, it's about, it's about the gospel. It's about people knowing that we're image bearers and, that we are born with sin and jesus came and took on himself the penalty that we deserved i mean this is a this is a life issue this is about being spiritual beings not just about you know rescuing one little piece of uh uh you know of 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 people's uh you know the tragedy of of death and in the womb um but it it's um you know, it really struck me some years ago that uh, a, a gal came to me and wanted to process whether to get an abortion or not. And uh, I did everything I could to encourage, to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, how beautiful it would be and even even said, hey, I'll adopt the baby. We had two kids that we had adopted that time as well that were still in our home. And, uh, and she ended up still going through with the abortion. And, and that's when it became more than a statistic to me. You know, we we hear 40 million, 50 million abortions like, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, I've met someone who who's lived this out. And then recently, and I'll be very vague about this because it's just so recent, a number of us were in a conversation with a gal who was in an abortion clinic. And she was texting us, and she ended up not going through with it because of the intervention. It was just a marvelous story. And that story is still continuing. We
0: have a Google text also, and our nurses also receive texts and and are able to reach these girls through that means of communication. How does that
2: happen? How do they find out about it? And does that sometimes happen when they're on their way to get an abortion? Sometimes they've been
0: to us for the pregnancy test and have looked over their options and they're still struggling in their spirit Mm. you know um we advertise our um smpccnc is the text number um but it it just it helps Give them that option. We're talking on the phone. This generation doesn't talk on the phone. Even mm-hmm. my own children. You can text them and get an answer True. quicker than you will.
2: Yeah, getting them or to even pick then up the it phone. doesn't work. <laughs> I, if, but if you type urgent, call asap. Then it might. Even, then, but that only works one time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they time. know, they know it's not going to work again. Right. So, yeah. You
0: know, just and, and it's hard. I I ask and plead for you know that's one of our number one things of how to partner mm-hmm. with Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Care Center is to pray, pray for our staff to have God fill him with his spirit and Mm -hmm. give them his words and for their ears and hearts to be open to hearing that.
2: Yeah, again, that's a... You know, we
0: are seed planters. Sometimes we don't even know what happens to Mm -hmm. that child till maybe two years later they come...
2: Do you sometimes hear that they went through with an abortion? Uh, Sometimes. Oh, that's got to be so hard. It is. That's got to be so Um, hard. Wow.
0: And when they're on the table and a nurse was scanning... A girl who was already uh, not abortion-minded, she was abortion-determined, mm. and f- father baby was there. And she scans, and the nurse's face just gets really bleak because she finds not one baby, but mm. two oh, wow. in the uterus. And the mother's like, "I don't care if there's one, two, or three. I'm wow. still killing it. I'm not going through with this. They are being aborted." And yeah. it was just. It was so heavy. But why did they come? Why
2: why did they come?
0: Well, you have to find out first of all that you are pregnant. Oh, okay. And how far along you are, because there's different abortion methods Mm -hmm. for however far along you are. Oh,
2: and they get that at a place like this or at. Well, we do not sign
0: off on the ultrasound that they had the ultrasound for the for abortions. That's not because we do not refer nor recommend for Mm. abortions here. Mm. Um, but you know, when you get an ultrasound, you find out your gestational mm-hmm. age. Um, so, you know, for fathers of babies pleading for mothers to have their child, mm-hmm. and that they just want you know to give birth to their baby, and they'll their family will help raise it is things that. We so you'll you, sometimes
2: paper. you see drama here oh, yes. where the husband, the boyfriend, or the parents are. Yeah. Or are sometimes contesting. it's the
0: parent telling the the young student that. They must abort yeah, and the kid not wanting it, you know, but then, so it it, it is, it is you know, it is number one, it's illegal for anyone to force someone to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want our clients to know that, that if they're in a home situation and that's the influence that's being done, they still have the bottom right sure to decide whatever. And we can find them a maternity home, not local Mm because we have no local maternity homes, uh, I think Charlotte's our closest, mm. you know, so that's kind of hard. But yeah. um, at the same time, um, to go through a tragic event and do it remorsefully leaves scars that can be psychological. Yeah, and energy. you and you mentioned
2: earlier and I, I love this that you're not judgmental. You you even have people who've had an abortion come here or two or three uh, and yeah. then come back yeah.
0: finally deciding to parent. Um this yeah. one lady I know, we'd had she'd had two abortions and then parented mm-hmm. three. That's wonderful. Beautiful boys. That's wonderful. So and she utilized our parenting program, mm-hmm. the You learn and and that helps cuz our parenting program it opens up the door for what we used to have generationally mm-hmm. given down from one generation to the Yeah, it was built the into the family system. It was system. built into the family. Yeah. But, you know, nowadays our family system, Satan's pretty well destroying yeah. that. So you don't have that generational mm-hmm. learning. And so these classes do help, and they are faith-based too. So yeah,
2: yeah. Them- Becky, I didn't have this as a question, but as an outreach director, what are you picking up as the pulse or the attitude of, uh, people in the in the church community towards this is it, is it we need to keep reminding them of this and
1: we do. Um, I usually get one of three responses. Um, they will absolutely jump on board and support and they're all about being bold and mm-hmm. in their congregation's face about what they feel and how they need to support. Um, you get the second mm-hmm. option or response rather, Of, yeah, we know you're there. Um, And I always just have to remind myself that just because someone's not with you doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they're against you. So, um, they just choose not to, to, you know, to participate. And then, sadly, I get a lot of, as soon as they know why I'm calling or why I'm knocking on their door... they they do not respond back or they don't call back because it is such a taboo subject, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm pretty comfortable at boldly speaking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we can address abortion without addressing the youth's view of sexuality mm-hmm. and identity because that's how we get to abortion. Yeah, is um, is the whole sexuality issue and, and the, sure.
2: Yeah. You know, that's the choice, isn't it? That we're not talking that's about. That's the
1: choice yet. we're not talking about. And even with Christian kids who have been brought up in church, say, their whole life, you know, you can set that kid down beside the kid that has never been in church, um, and they both share the same struggles to make the right decisions about sex. Mm-hmm. Just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle to do the right thing. And so equipping them is where my heart is is really being pulled. Um,
2: yeah, I love that. Yeah, and and it it's interesting. I'd be interested to get both your reactions to this. That back in the uh, '80s, when I was in my 20s, the church was was reacting strong. There was uh, Operation Rescue with Randy Ter- Terry Randall. I don't know if you remember him and. Uh, you know, there there was a lot of picketing, a lot of, and, uh, you know, Jerry Falwell from Liberty University with Moral Majority. There was, uh, you know, Pat Robertson, people like that. He's, he seems to have softened on the politics side of it. Um, but it, it I wonder sometimes if people that are in our churches that are from my generation uh, almost kind of look at the past as, well, it didn't work. You know, we, we weren't successful, and so we don't know what to do anymore, you know, and How do do you address that, Jenny? I mean, what what is the role of the church still in this, you know, it's more than just this conversation, this this crisis, this tragedy?
0: Churches are a hard one because it is a taboo subject. Yeah, why is it a taboo subject? Becky
2: mentioned that too. Why is this taboo?
0: (laughs) Because it's sex. It's
1: pornography. Oh, I see. Okay. And when you start using words like that inside church, um, people just start shutting down it's like if it if i don't think about it if i don't speak it it's not
2: happening yeah well then i think we should be equipping and i think this was my attitude when i was pastoring that we should be equipping the parents to have these conversations with their kids i mean i think there's some things that the parents defer to the church and the the church ought to be saying no that's your responsibility but we'll provide the resources and the confidence and the
1: you just have to remember that a lot of times the parents aren't there Okay. Or they're separated or divorced. Um, They're in their own relationships, making their own sexual... And those are the
2: ones maybe more prone to be active sexually or... Yeah, I mean, when you have parents that are
1: dating and making their own sexual mistakes live front and center in front of these children's
2: lives, Yeah. wow. That's really fascinating. Yeah, Jenny, what...
0: We had a client come in the door and she was filling out paperwork. She goes, I think something kicked me. And when her pregnancy test came out positive, Mm -hmm. and she got this ultrasound of a six-month-old baby. Oh, my
2: goodness.
0: (laughs) And she was just so shell-shocked. She says, how can this be happening to me? How am I going to explain this? My son is a senior. Mm. And how am I going... You know, I've been telling him not to let this happen. Mm. And now it had happened to her. And she had to go home and face the music. With telling her son that in three months there's going to be another baby yeah. coming along yeah. because of my actions, yeah. So you know the the world. So chance. how do you, how do you encourage
2: someone like that so that there's value in still well, having the baby?
0: It, you know, at at that point it was too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, of course not in some states now. No, but in North Carolina, what <laughs> in what North Carolina is what is, is the law? Weeks. Twenty weeks in North yes. Carolina. Um, you know, and just saying that. And that's the biggest thing. It doesn't matter how this child was conceived. It's still a wanted child. Mm -hmm. And God's got a plan for it. You may not have expected it. And it may have derailed where you thought you were going. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what a blessing Mm -hmm. that God has given you another life to live, to to raise. And, And be honest with your son and say, listen, this is why I've preached it. Obviously, I didn't practice what I preached sometimes, mm-hmm. but being honest with our kids yeah. and saying, listen, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I've made.
2: Um, and maybe that's the message that needs to come more from the pulpits. Because uh, there is a, you know, in in our emphasis on holiness and righteousness, uh, we we forget that people are going to blow it consistently. And, and our righteousness is based on the fact that Jesus has declared us righteous. And it's not that we, stayed away from this 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 growing up and that that make that's what makes us righteous what makes us righteous is that we blow it and we're reminded that we're forgiven by christ and uh and i i do a lot of times when i listen to pre i have more time to listen to preaching now since i'm not pastoring i listen to myself for so many years that now i get to listen to others but i I, that's a consistent message that i hear is that hey you need to do this do this you must do this and when a poor kid blows it, they they feel well. I got to keep this hidden because of the shame and because everyone's you know pastor's been telling me for all these years a Sunday school teacher, a youth pastor, or even my parents that uh, you know I'm not supposed to do this, which is true. But if you did blow it, then there's redemption, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and and that's that that's the message of hope we can give to people. Well,
0: that's think, our second. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say
1: that's there's some powerful words that i like to use that can kind of twist someone's brain that's that's facing that is you didn't surprise jesus Mm. today that Mm. you that you did something really dumb (laughs) you know he's not surprised and and he loves you today as much as he's ever going to love you Mm -hmm. so doing wrong or doing your absolute best does not change how much he loves you and i think once people grasp that um, then they can start working on that forgiveness of themselves Yes. You know, and laying that at the feet of Jesus, and allowing Him to use that mistake for His glory. Like let's let's find the positive side of this, and how you can yeah turn this into a, a yeah life because that's, testimony. Yeah,
2: and that's the story of the gospel. We messed up, but look look at what's redeeming here. We got this beautiful little child who is going to be a constant reminder that uh, I'm a sinner, but a forgiven sinner. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Jenny, you were going to say something.
0: Well and I don't know now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, we're we're uh, we're on so many different topics here. Hey, Jenny, how do you wrap your mind around the fact that it's, you know, 40-50 million mm. abortions in, you know, since 1973? When
0: you when you look at it as a war, mm-hmm. a genocide. Wow. I mean, that's that's how one of our speakers presented it and showed the statistics <laughs> of all these other wars and how many people have died in them compared to abortion that's going on still, you know, as an acceptable form of birth control. That it just, it blows my mind. Um, because I know that educating them and letting them make the decision that, you know, for years they, they were taught it was a blob of tissue. Mm-hmm. And changing just our mindsets mm-hmm. that... Um, yeah, these the choice, you know, it's my choice, it's my body. Mm-hmm. That's what we hear preached, you know, and I hear it from my my own family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we when we put things out there, but the choice is yours before you go and have unprotected sex. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your choice. But once that baby is conceived and it's in the womb and there's a heartbeat, then you have to stop being selfish yeah. and think beyond yourself mm-hmm. and consider that you have conceived this person. Doesn't matter, it may have been conceived out of rape, but that doesn't mean that child's loved any less by somebody in this world. And yeah. Those are the hard situations that I I mean, my heart goes out to them. I mean, I we you know, you you hear horrible situations, but then there's the child that was conceived in rape, that the mother gave birth to and blessed another family with, and how that situation—you know—those are the stories we need yeah. to hear more of. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, and that and that those situations like conception from rape—that's um, like under yes. one percent. Yes, actual.
2: Yeah, but the, in the narrative, that helps. You but know, when it's, people... it's
1: also the loudest excuse yeah, sure, sure. that sure. a lot of pro-twist yeah. people want to put out there.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting, The you know, Phil Drake, who has been a, a huge support uh, businessman here in Franklin, uh, one time spoke and just talked about the the social ramifications of this, that you know, the 40, 50 million abortions has left a gap in... the in a generation, you know, three or four generations or two or three generations that affects contributing to the economy and to social security. And it, it has political consequences as well. And I don't know if you ever listened to Candace Owens. She's a she's a black uh, activist for the conservative movement. And she talks a lot about in the black community that where there's been, I think, 20 million abortions in, in the black community that... Uh, That has left a huge uh, vacuum in in the family, you know, structure and culture. And uh, so, again, these are conversations people are just a little, uh, don't feel comfortable having. And there was even a little bit of me saying, uh, you know, should I be having this conversation? I was talking to Becky about Yes. Yes, of course we do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I, I did a, I won't give into details, but I did a podcast where I interviewed someone about some moral issue And he called me the next day and he says, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with you putting this out because I don't want to offend my friends. I was like, ah, I want you to offend your friends. (laughs) Yes. You know, and
0: that is what I, I wrote that down. I said, it's time to start standing for what is right it's not a political fight. The fight lies between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christians have always been worried about not offending others and allowing them their say. And now it's our say mm-hmm. that is being constricted and not allowed in schools or in public, you know, arenas anymore. There's no Bible, you know, allowed at the church. You can't pray in school. So,
2: and you can't talk about moral issues. So that natural uh, context where these values are established are being strangled, mm-hmm. and the other message is being is being propagated in, in those contexts. Um, what's What's encouraging, though, um, is, you know, are the states that have that have brought about restrictions north carolina obviously is one of them right i know georgia for right now uh, we for have. right now georgia Our has governor's well. a little if north carolina is like...
1: actually going in the wrong direction is we're, it really we're starting yeah. on yeah. a we, b- we're, sliding slope mm-hmm.
2: okay so what what's the future look like you think i mean just in your in your opinion on this Man,
1: is- i don't i don't know it, it seems so political. It's almost yeah. like you can you can, with the exception of that one Democratic governor, I forget which state Ari- that was Arizona, just in Arizona. I think, or New you Mexico. can almost sadly say I think it's New Mexico. You can almost sadly say that you know which way that state is going to go, yeah, based off what they're, yeah,
2: it's political. What their political how, party however, is. the the state legislators that have fought for this these are these are moms, dads fathers who have been, have taken this as a, as a calling, Mm -hmm. you know, to fight this. Uh, It's like, you know, one of the reasons why I pray for the end of this, you know, abortion in my lifetime um, is uh, modeled after uh, Wilberforce, the British Parliament, parliamentary uh, guy in, uh, in England, who his whole life, you know, had one mission that was to end slavery in the 1800s in Europe, and it happened a month after he died where they finally signed the proclamation to, uh, to end slavery. William Wil- uh, Wilberforce was his name. And I think, you know, I think that's, uh, that ought to be the Christian's drive to see the end of this. And yeah, it's not just to end that, but it's to promote life, to promote family, to be willing to adopt. And um, this is probably the positive thing churches can do is to promote adoption. I know a lot of young pastors who are in their 30s and 40s, and they have campaigns almost challenging people, you know, how, uh, we're, we want 20 families this year to adopt babies in our church. I think this is the, it's not just fighting against abortion, but it's fighting for, uh, for life. And I would
1: be interested to, to see, you'd made the comment earlier uh, of all these pastors that you know that are adopting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would be interested to see how many of those pastors like sought adoption, paid, for it and adopted, or what I see typically happening, what happened in my situation mm-hmm. and what happened in a situation for a volunteer that just started here is there the child has to fall into this horrible situation, mm-hmm. it, yeah, and then the county steps in, and then they say, okay, this, this healthy family is ready to take this child, we'll let them have it, and we'll pay for it. I'm like, I think, I think that's how is that? Yeah. How does that make it the, sense? So the, we have to wait for a kid yeah, to be to, in crisis, to be born at yeah. home in February with no heat and no water. Mm-hmm. This is a, a situation that we're very familiar with yeah. right now. Before the state says, "Oh, okay, we'll step in and help."
2: Yeah, well, it's because of the <laughs> rights of the parents, right, and the rights of the extended family. You have to go through that first before.
1: But it's easier to get a child. By waiting for something bad I to happen to a child, yeah, no, I agree with you. Than it is to go and adopt. Yeah, and they, that, the the, that's past, sad to the me. pastors
2: I know who have adopted uh, in the states, that's been more of the story. That's my nice.
1: story. Right. The ones who
2: go to to Ukraine or you know Africa, uh, Uganda, wherever it is, um, that's yeah. intentional, you know, or China and.
0: It's you a know, lot cheaper to adopt out overseas than in, yeah, in these yeah. states. And, that's what and that,
2: that should change the less abortions there are. I mean, these mm-hmm. states where there's restrictions in abortion, there ought to be more. The adoption, should and this be. is where the church should be, You know, as that's happening, man, we need to really be building up the whole adoption conversation mm-hmm. as well. And that's, again, that's why I love those churches of younger pastors who are... Really making it almost a game, you know. We want to, we want to see twenty families this this year adopt kids, you know, and and we're gonna start. We're gonna be the first ones to do that. But I think it be but as I, easy
1: as adopting a pet.
2: It should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, as, and they don't shed either.
1: I mean, we push that, you know, adopt, adopt, adopt.
2: Yeah, um, kind of wrap up here. Um, it does seem like this generation uh it has to be careful talking about moral issues you know homosexuality same-sex marriage attraction and abortion's like in there too you know even with my kids it's you know you got to be careful they know people and they've got to be careful and i don't put anything on facebook anymore because i'm offending people when i do which I is kind of <laughs> sad but that's more for my kids than offending others um but what what's happening here
0: uh, let's go right back to the Bible where it states in Matthew 10, 21 to 22, Brothers will turn against their own brothers and hand them over to be killed. Mm. Fathers will hand over their own children to be killed, and children will fight against their own parents and will have them killed. Everyone will hate you because you follow me. Wow. But the one who remains faithful to the end will be saved. And
2: Wow. So really it's about following Jesus, isn't it, it at is. bottom line? It's being wow. his,
0: his hands and feet and arms to mm-hmm. the community is what we do here. Um, we are going to, you know, I, I have had the same thing with Facebook. I've had to take down things that offended my family because <laughs> I spoke what I believe. It was mm-hmm. okay for them to post what they believe. It was your
2: truth, Jenny. But it
0: was my <laughs> truth, and it was against what they believed. So... You know, it, it, it's yeah, and that's
2: good. I mean, you want to be sensitive because you want to have good rapport, good relationships, right. and and Facebook is not an intimate relational context. Yeah. That's that's different than if you're having a Thanksgiving meal and this thing comes up. You know, you can have I think harder, more effective conversations. Which really, maybe that's one of the takeaways here is to encourage pastors and church leaders and people who love the church is is be willing to have these hard conversations within your church community. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget social media. It's not working. People are set in their ways. Yeah, go ahead, Becky.
1: I think that that following Jesus is definitely the key comment there. But I would just like to add to that, that as followers of Jesus, um, something that I'm studying hard in, and this is probably a whole other podcast, mm-hmm. is the scriptures that talk about protecting your mind mm. and about how much and how strongly that is affecting our Christian and non-Christian youth that are facing all of these issues that we're talking about today, I've you know been doing some deep study into you know into how drugs and pornography and sex psychologically affect us and what happens, um, and how we start training ourselves to pleasure. Um, you're no match for your own brain, mm-hmm. and and it's it's taken that scripture that Paul tells us you know about um, guarding your mind mm-hmm. to a whole new level for me, and so. Um, hmm. that's what I go to the youth with. And, yeah. and it is, you know, not just Jesus said so, mm-hmm. but this is what you're setting yourself up for. This is how much God loves you. This is how much he wants you to mm-hmm. feel good. And mm-hmm. this is how you're going to alter that. Um, so, you know, starting early, yeah, you know, teaching them to follow Jesus yeah. and protect their mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, what you
2: believe determines how who you, you live.
1: are and how you live. You know, and I, I forget the scripture now, but you know, Paul Paul wrote um, that we we guard ourselves with weapons mm-hmm. um, of God. Mm-hmm. So you know, God even clearly knew yeah. that we we were no match for our own minds. Yeah, yeah. It takes his power yeah. to break the strongholds oh, of human reasoning. Yeah,
2: that's why Flipkins, uh 2, I think 4 or 5 says, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so I, Yeah, that's really good. You, have, I, to,
1: I, you I, have to start with the mind, too. Yeah, I
2: appreciate that. Well, uh, yeah.
0: society puts too much in our eyes. I mean, you've got the social smartphones mm-hmm. right there mm-hmm. where you can, our kids can be exposed to so much more. You flip on our TVs compared to what's showing today mm-hmm. on even ABC Family compared to 10 years ago. And the, the eyes are ago. a window to the soul. Yeah. And by f- society fulfilling filling those eyes with killing and rapes mm-hmm. and murders and how to solve this, now you've got the live PD on TV and the reality shows mm-hmm. that are just obs- obscuring any kind of biblical um, values and morals.
2: Yeah. 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 So much to, to process there. And I I was thinking too, as we were talking about, uh, just the, you know, when we, we talked about what you believe determines how you live that, uh, this, you know, that this is a, it's, it's a demonic thing. I mean, the taking to, to normalize and propagate the taking of life. I appreciate the scriptures you were referencing about family being against each other that uh, there, there's two things that uh, you can imagine the devil would want to attack and that's that's family or marriage and you have the the whole uh, same-sex uh, issue and and gay marriage that's an affront against the one thing that God uh, has given us that institution that's meant to reflect uh, his relationship with us Ephesians 5 talks uh, about that you yeah. know just uh, husband love your wives as Christ love the church and anytime I do a wedding I talk about it. this is, this is meant to be a, a stage where you are, you are telling the story of a, of a greater relationship. So, of course, the devil is going to want to distort and confuse there. The other one is we are image bearers. We are made in the image of God. So what's the enemy going to want to do? Attack that one thing to uh, make it uh, noble and good to actually take away a life you know, for someone's conviction of, you know I can do what I want with my own body or whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, I think we have to keep these things uh, in, in spiritual context, this conversation, which is why I really believe the church needs to still struggle with how uh, how to talk about this and, and how to relate uh, this subject within the community life of the church. Um, what, is, uh, what is the one thing you would want, Jenny, th- to tell the pastor and church leaders about this battle that maybe is encouraging but also challenging?
0: Well... First of all, I would hope that they would be excited about supporting life affirming pregnancy centers. Yeah, in their so look area. in your communities oh, yeah. for
2: that because they are definitely they're, there. They're there. Mm-hmm.
0: We outnumber abortion clinics tenfold. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fact that you have this nugget in your community and churches aren't supporting mm-hmm. the pregnancy centers it kind of blows my mind. I see how many. Pr- churches support our centers and how many are in the county mm-hmm. and i mean even if it's 25 dollars a month or yeah. ask your staff your your congregation who has an hour two hours maybe a day to mm-hmm. volunteer mm-hmm. in these centers and help us be able to be there for these girls mm-hmm. and i'm saying us as pregnancy centers all across america not just as mm-hmm. a pcc because we do run on very few staff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have four full-time staff mm. with two, two free two medical clinics. Yeah. yeah. Oh, three. Wow. And I mean, these wow. are these are free clinics. Yeah. We don't charge for pregnancy tests So everything or comes for from donations. Yeah. Correct. So when you're, you know, $1,200 is the average that we're saving each client. Mm-hmm. And last year we did 176 pregnancy tests and almost 300 ultrasounds. hmm not including, you know, 800 parenting classes Mm -hmm. where you have that volunteer or staff person working with that girl. And, you know, the pastors need to realize that this is a golden nugget where we are being Jesus' hands, feet, and Mm -hmm. arms to the community and get behind the centers and help support us so that, you know, we had to close a clinic in 2012, and it crushed. It was awful. I mean, I just thought, how many babies Mm. are we losing? Mm. You know, so... To not have that fear, yeah. Um, to be able to speak up and and talk to your congregation about post-abortion, there are people in their pews yeah. that are still hurting, and there's resources. We mm-hmm. have we have counselors, we have healing support groups.
2: Um, Isn't it one in three women have had an abortion? Is that the statistic the you've statistic. heard? Which which would probably mean one in three of people sitting in your congregation have had an abortion. Correct. And so they're, they're probably struggling with shame, with guilt. And right. if, this, yeah. if you can start having this conversation in your church, these women are going to feel f- uh, free to come up and talk about how they've been carrying this. And again, they can be reminded that they're forgiven because of what Jesus did and loved by the community, embraced by the community, not shunned.
1: I would just ask pastors, too, to, to be careful Mm-hmm. How they talk about abortion mm-hmm. in the pulpit because you do have women and yeah. and men sitting there who are struggling from that choice Absolutely. and are hurting. And so if you um, come across, condemning. you know, angry, yeah. condemning, yeah. That's really making good. them feel, you know, unworthy to ever be, yeah, you know, used Great. again by Christ or something, you know, God forbid that that's the message that comes out um, just to, to really approach it delicately
2: yeah and i would say of uh, the 30 some years that i pastored uh and this makes me really reflect back in my own attitude and approach i i didn't i'd never had one woman come to me and admit that she had had one mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's an indicator that if a pastor's not seeing that that he needs to you know maybe change his tone and his message a little bit to exactly yeah that, well, you know? didn't
1: say that for homosexuality too i yeah, mean yeah sure we're, sure we're, we're supposed to be a you know, a shelter for the sinners, yes. and so um, a sanctuary if, city. If you're dealing with that same-sex attraction, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think, acting, but, acting upon it is the sin. Yeah, but, but I think I think we're, I think we're doing
2: better in that conversation though than we are Some. in the abortion conversation. Some are, yeah, <laughs> from what I'm seeing. Hey, this has been great, both of you, Becky and Jenny. You. Thank you so much. You both did a, a wonderful job. It's a raw subject. And, it is, you know, I think, yeah, uh, heavy. I think this will be. Uh, really helpful to to the pastor and the church leaders and i'll send this to you guys and encourage you to send it around Uh, so thank Thank you so much really appreciate it thank you thank you you for having us Mm -hmm. thank you okay there you have it thank you so much for listening to this episode of the before you quit podcast if you have any comments or questions about anything we've talked about today Or on any other podcast, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.